that in the last 100 years, the world has seen 29 wars. Now, there's been many more conflicts, right? You know how sometimes there's like a terrorist bombing or something like that? We're not even counting that. We're saying full-blown wars involving two or more countries. There have been 29 in the last 100 years. And let me tell you that in those 21, 20, in those 100 years, in those 29 wars, it is estimated that over 66 million people were killed in those wars. And this is an interesting fact, that from that 66 million, that number, it's estimated that 45 million were from World War II alone. If you look, you Google it, it will tell you between 40 to 50 million people are estimated to have been killed in World War II alone. Alone. There are wars going on right now. We know the obvious ones, right? You know the obvious ones of, uh, of Ukraine and Russia. And then we have ones that are not so obvious. You know, they didn't make the cut. They don't make the cut of the nightly news, right? We have the fighting in Afghanistan that is still happening. We have the fighting in Lebanon that is happening. We have the fighting in Yemen and Ethiopia and in Myanmar. These, these are areas that are currently under conflict. Ever since God created this planet, we have been in a war. This planet has been a war zone since the beginning of this planet's existence. Today, we're going to dive into a series titled The Battle. You know I'm excited, right? You know I'm excited. Some of you guys are like, oh, he likes it. You know it. You know it. I'm excited. Listen, we've been in a war since the beginning, and you are a part of it, like it or not. Like it or not. I know. I don't even have to recruit you. You already recruited, and if you're not recruited, then you're on the wrong side. We're going to talk about that later. Um, and we're going to examine what the Bible has to say about this battle that we're in, Right? Today's message is going to establish a foundation, and so I'm so glad that so many of you are here this morning. It's going to establish a foundation for the rest of the way. I won't tell you how many sermons are in this series so you don't get scared, right? But, but it's going to establish the foundation for the rest of the way. And today, we're going to talk about what is this war that we're in? Okay, I know, I know, spiritual. What is this war that we're in? And we're going to understand this. And we're going to answer the question of why are we in it? Let me put this timer on so I don't get too excited. Some of you guys have things to do today. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 through 19. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 to 19. And it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up lamentations for the king of Tyre 
and say to him, thus says the Lord. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, and turquoise, and emerald with gold. Yo, this guy was blinged out. The workman of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of of your splendor I cast you to the ground I laid you before kings that they may gaze at you but you defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities by the iniquity of your trading therefore I brought fire from your midst it devoured you and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in all the sight of all who saw you all who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. Some of you guys are like, Pastor, that sounds like Bible study verses. Yes. These are some deep, deep verses, um, some good, juicy verses. And although... There's so much goodness in here that we can grab and talk about forever. We have to focus on some things. So we're just going to touch on some things. And before we do, I want, I want to I talk about who is this passage talking about? Who are we talking about in these verses? Because it said a lot of things. I mean, it started off by saying King Attire, right? So, 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 so. Let's understand and break it down together. There are three possible interpretations. There are three possible interpretations for these verses, and we'll go through it one by one. It won't be long. The first one is the literal interpretation. Literally, Ezekiel must be talking about the king of Tyre, a man, right? Okay. We understand that the prophets back in the day would write and, and they would be referencing real people, real things, things going on in real life. We understand that. But there are some things that possibly, that, that, that unfortunately could never apply to the king of Tyre. For example, it said that he was in the Garden of Eden. The king of Tyre was born long after all that. So we already know, okay, let's cross him off the list. It cannot be the king of Tyre because he did not exist at the time of the Garden of Eden. 
well, you know, we have to read the Bible historically only. We have to take the historical interpretation of the Bible. Okay, all right, let's break this down. If we go historically, there's a historical interpretation that, that, that possibly could mean that this passage is talking about the first man being Adam. Because of verse 15, you know, we talk about because he was in the Garden of Eden. Well, historically, what man was in the Garden of Eden? Well, historically, we know that Adam was in the Garden of Eden. So therefore, we say historic interpretation would say that Adam is the gentleman that he's talking about. But as you see, as we continue, everything in these verses, a lot of things in these verses do not apply to Adam as well. So what would be the third interpretation? Anybody? What? What? Spiritually interpreting, right? Spiritual interpretation. So we read verse 14, and it says, You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. Yes, I know you guys were skipping to, you know, who it is. But I'm trying to say with the interpretation, right? So, so we read this, and we say, a cherub. What's a cherub? Now, some of us know that a cherub is an angel. Now, some of you guys are saying, oh, an angel. And you guys are imagining the little fat baby, right, with fat cheeks, with the little white wings, with the little bow and arrow. Who's not married yet? Who's not married yet? Like, right? Oh, so cute. Baby angel. Baby angels, innocent eyes, pudgy face, curly hair, how cute. <laughs> Wrong. A cherub is an angel, but a cherub was considered an angelic warrior, a guardian, strong and powerful. So not just any angel. These are the kind of angels that get things done. These are the kind of angels that you call when you got some beef. <laughs> when you got some problems and you need some help and backup, these are the ones that you call. So who is this passage talking about? There were only four persons in the Garden of Eden. We know that God was there. It's not him. I mean, because God's talking. He's not going to be talking to him. All right, so it's not him. We know that Adam is there. But Adam was never sitting on the mountain of God, so therefore, it's not him. We know that Eve was there. Didn't even mention anything that would relate to Eve, so we just cross her out real quick. <laughs> and that leaves now who? Satan. Satan, the serpent. He was there. So this passage is referencing Satan. In this passage, we see the symbolic language, right? The symbolic language that gives us an account of the circumstances that led to the downfall of Satan. 
Because some people, you know, you hear the story of like, oh, yeah, he was an angel, and then he, he messed up, and he went down to hell or something. It, it kind of gives you what was going on, right? We saw that there was pride. We feel that, that he wanted to, to, he felt like he wanted to be better than God. We, we understand the things now, like, oh, so that's what happened. This is what's going on. So let's take note of some things in this passage. We're talking about someone who had a very high position. Someone who had a very high standing with God. He was in the circle. You know how, you know how like in your life, you got a circle? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. The circle is, this is my circle. These people got my attention. They call me. I'm going to always answer. They text me. I'm going to get back to them. Right? They got problems. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to always look out for them. And then you got the next circle. Well, if I'm not so busy, then you got the next circle like, uh, they're on the like, don't answer, don't answer. Oh, she got somebody on that. I heard, I, that's how she, <laughs> so, so, so he was in, he was in, he said anointed cherub, seal of perfection, perfect in beauty on the holy mountain of God. He was not, we understand the next point is that he was not created to be an evil being. The Bible says that he was perfect. So he wasn't created to be like, oh, you're going to be the evil one. No, no, he wasn't, it was not designed for him to end up evil, right? He wasn't supposed to be the evil one. He wasn't created to be that way, but he became that way. The Bible says you were perfect in the ways, in your ways from the day you were created. The next point that we need to take away from who we're discussing is that he was removed, or I kind of mentioned this, he was removed from his position because of pride and rebellion. Your heart was lifted up. Your head got too big. Why is it that we struggle with pride and rebellion so much? That brought down Satan. And that's one of the tools that he uses on us so much. Even when we accept Christ, even when we come to the Lord, you still have to fight against pride and rebellion. You can also read about all this in Isaiah chapter 14, 3 to 17. We won't read it now. But what it does is Isaiah, um, he gives also an account of this situation of, of Satan being in heaven and then being cast down so you can read it again. It kind of confirms the story, right? But you will see that Isaiah calls Satan by his government name. <laughs> he calls him Lucifer. And that was his original name. When he rebelled against God and was casted out of the heavens, he became Satan, like the name change. And Satan itself, Satan itself, that name means adverse adversary. And if you don't know what adversary means, it means like rival, arch enemy, you know, your nemesis. You know, that's what it means. So he experienced like that name change, right, when, when he left the heavens. Here are two other scriptures I want to read with, uh, for you. 
that kind of give us more insight on his history. 2 Peter 2.4. I know I'm going to read a lot of verses. I'm reading a lot of the Bible. Again, you need the word for foundation. And so I told you guys that this is number one of the series. It lays the foundation down for the rest. So yes, I'll be reading a lot. I want you to follow with me and just kind of let it be a movie in your head as I'm reading the, reading the words. But just understand that this is laying the foundation. We need to understand why this war even began. Okay? Second Peter 2.4 says, For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them in hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held unto the day of judgment. We look at Jude chapter 1 verse 6. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority, of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness waiting for the great day of judgment. What these verses are clearly pointing out is that once, long, long ago, there was no Satan and there were no evil angels. It didn't start that way. It became that way. Okay? It became that way. There was a rebellion in heaven against the authority of Almighty God. That's something that we battle with today. We rebel against the authority of God. Because what is the authority of God? This is the authority of God. Let me, let me, tell, you, let me, let me tell you something. The angels, <laughs> how can you live in the presence of Almighty God? Right? If they rebelled, against God then it is so much more easier for you to do it do you understand we have if you're not even careful you've already rebelled if you sleep on it you've already you're already you're already doing the opposite of what this says because we need to be intentional to do what this says do living this living this life living according to this book does not come naturally who disagrees? Living according to this book does not come naturally. We need to be intentional. You need to work at it. You need to, and the reason why we need to read it is so that we can be encouraged. We can be like, ah, ah, I know what I got to do. I know what I got to do. Because if you don't know what to do, what does the Bible say is, uh, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. And he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all his angels. Did you guys catch who the great dragon was? Satan. All right, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Revelation chapter 12, verse 12 to 17. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. 
but terror will come on earth and the sea for the devil has come down in you in great anger knowing that he has little time when the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to earth he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child i'm gonna break this down but she was given two wings like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and a half a time. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a, with flood, with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Woo! Talk about a sci-fi movie, right? Yo, they got, they got to turn this into a movie. There's a lot to take in in these verses, again, but we don't have four hours to discuss everything. But there are some things that you need to know about the verses that we just read. And to simplify it just a little bit for right now, we heard something about a woman, we heard something about the male child, and we heard something about, like, uh, her children, right? You know? So let's, so let's figure this out real quick. The woman represents, in, the, in this passage, the woman represents the chosen people, the chosen people of Israel, the nation of Israel. It's God's people. That's who the woman represents. The male child represents Jesus. Jesus, right, was born from the Jewish people, right? And he was that male child. From Jesus, after Jesus, it opens up to the Gentiles, right? And so the children represent us. The children in this passage represent us. All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. One thing is certain here. <laughs> it's clear that this is a very serious war. A very serious spiritual war that we are in right now. And like I said before, like it or not, you don't have a choice, but you are involved. You are involved. You know, anybody ever find themselves? Okay, not everybody here. But there are some people here that God has done a lot in their life. And they're not the same anymore. But before God did what he did, some of y'all like to fight a lot. Or some of you guys always got pulled into certain fights, right? You ever get pulled into a fight? Like you just show up somewhere and like, oh, I'm glad you're here. We're about to do this. Like, whoa, 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 what, what? What happened? And, and you're like, oh, well, oh, you here, you here. You got my back, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I got your back, boy. Come on, let's go. Oh, no. Like, you ever get pulled into a fight like without knowing? Some of you guys, some of you guys are realizing right now that you are pulled into this fight. You may not have known, but you are already in this fight. You are already in it. So I suggest you put your big boy pants on, roll the sleeves up, right? Do a couple stretches, take the earrings off, right? Vaseline, whatever y'all got to do, get ready. 
get ready. Because we all in this fight. We all in this fight. <laughs> Got flashbacks for a moment. I don't know. <laughs> we are all, and there are no innocent bystanders. There's no innocent bystanders in this, in, in this battle. In this war, there's no one just watching. And we're gonna, I won't talk about that too much. We're going to talk about that in a second. So there's, that's the answer to what war? There is a war. The war began when pride and rebellion set in Lucifer in heaven. He was casted down with him, him and his homies that also rebelled. We're all casted down. And now, as we read in Revelation, just in Revelation 12, he has declared war against her children who keep God's commandments. Satan doesn't sound like the type of person that will say, you know, like, I declare war and then sit in his room and do nothing. I know, I, I grew up saying, oh, you can't give too much power to the devil. I understand that. And because we serve a greater God. You see, that's why we say you can't give too much power to the devil because we, our God is greater. Okay, so we already know that for a fact. But we can't minimize our adversary. You ever minimize your enemy and then get your butt whooped later? You ever thought you had something? Like, look at him, he only like 5'2". I could take him. Turned out to be like a third degree black belt and whooped your butt? <laughs> we cannot minimize the reality or of our adversary. Because if we do, we will not be properly prepared to fight against him. The next several weeks, we're going to be talking about the devil's tactics. For all the, all the sports players and, and any kind of sport, um, when you watch the tape, what is it you're doing when you're watching tape? You're learning your adversary. You're, you're looking at the team. You're looking at your enemy play. If you're, if you're boxing, you're looking at your, your opponent and how he fights other people. You're looking at other teams and how they score and, and look at, looking at their defense and their offense and, and what kind of schemes their coach runs. And so what you're doing is you're studying their tactics. And we're going to take some weeks to do that because how can we be filled with information to defeat the enemy if we don't have that, right? I mean, how can we defeat the enemy if we don't have the information of how he operates? So we're going to be talking about that next week, his tactics. But some of you guys are thinking, okay, I see the war you're talking about, but what does that have to do with me? I never signed up for this. I never signed up for this. Why, why me? You're in this war because you are made in God's image. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He, he, they didn't add any of the extra letters here. It says male and female, he created them. Every person in this planet bears the image of God. I know the human race has been tainted, has been damaged. It, it's no good. We're sinful, rebellious, prideful people. 
We don't, we don't want to listen. We want to do our own thing, right? We want to live for ourselves. I, I, we're selfish people, naturally. But even though we are distorted and we're ruined, the human race still bears the image of God. Therefore, the human race is Satan's enemy. Satan's enemy because he hates God. And if he hates God and he looks at you and you were made in the image of God, he'll see God and then he'll hate you too. So that's why you got pulled into this fight, even though you didn't want to be in this fight. We are all made in the image of God. And when the enemy looks at you, he sees the image of God and he hates you for it. And because of that, you have a target on your back. You want to know the devil's uh, plan for every human being? His model should be, I kill, steal, and destroy human beings. That's what, he, that's what he does. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, you don't even have to read the Bible to confirm this. I know, we, you know it says it in the Bible. But let's say you don't feel like reading the Bible right now to confirm this. You can just turn on the TV, right? Go on your cell phone and go on, you know, the news, any news station. And you will see for yourself what he's already done. You see the destruction of the human race. You see the, the, the theft of joy and happiness, right? And you see how he is just killing humanity. Just turn on the, the TV. The condition of humanity alone is proof that this is what he's out, set out to do. Everywhere around us, there's crime, right? There's lives destroyed by drugs and alcohol. There's broken families. There's hatred. There's mistrust. All this is just evidence that Satan is actively carrying out what he's set to do. So he's not home with his feet up binging on Netflix. He's out getting things done. But we're not doomed. Don't, don't, don't be like, oh, I'm going to die in this war. No, no. <laughs> we're not doomed. Jesus said in his word, right, that through him we will have life and life more abundantly. We're in this war because you're a threat. Yes, you're a threat. You are a threat. Anybody here, all sizes, all ages, you are a threat to the enemy. If you are a Christian, okay, better yet, let me say it this way. If you are a true disciple and follower of Christ. I have to say it that way because everybody says they're a Christian now. You know what I mean? Everybody says like, oh, you, you, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay, really? Yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. Okay. All right, well, I'm going to get into this right now. I'm going to get into this. I won't get sidetracked. Just know that there's one thing saying you're a Christian 
right, just to say you're a Christian because, oh, you know who Jesus, you've read about Jesus and you know that he died on the cross and you understand things in the Bible, you know the stories of the Bible, and that doesn't make you a Christian. But many people will say, I'm a Christian because of the knowledge of all that, right? A Christian, a true Christian is a disciple, a follower of Christ. They look at the life of Jesus and they imitate it as best as they can. They study the word and try to apply it to their life. When they're going through hard times, they don't give up because they understand that they have access to a conqueror that can overcome all their situations. They understand that they're part of a family of believers, that we have one another to sharpen one another, to help one another, encourage and motivate one another. Okay, let's get back to it. Remember, Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, it says that the dragon declared war on all those who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. So if you say you're a Christian, but you don't keep his commandments and you don't have a testimony for Jesus, then, well, I guess at that point you're no threat. He'll still, he'll still destroy you. <laughs> so you're going <laughs> to, he'll still destroy you, but you're just not a threat to him. You're just not a threat to him. Satan makes war on God's people, and he does this because he doesn't want us to succeed. He doesn't want us to succeed because as God's people, we have been given a mission. We have been given a task. You have been recruited. You got work to do. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments that I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Satan does not want us to make disciples of Christ. This is why, this is why when you are in a circle of people that are truly trying to disciple you, truly trying to teach you the word of God, truly trying to encourage you and to, and to help you understand um, what submission to his word, to his authority is, that group of people is usually a lot smaller than the group of people that says Jesus loves you and through grace you're forgiven these are all true things, right? Jesus loves you, um, and his grace covers all. Go and live your life however you feel like it. Come back next Sunday, and I'll cheer you up again. This is why places like that thrive, because it's easy to go to places where you're not given the reality of the burden of your mission. You ever, you, you've been around people where, where it's like there's things to do, and when you see how hard a job is, <laughs> you kind of like, <laughs> you try to go to the back of the line so everybody could be chosen in front of you except for you, and you go, and if you're in the military or in any type of like, you know, like the firehouse and the police, if, if you're in any of those types of circles, there's always a saying, that, well, in, in, in the Marines, we used to say, 
uh, that Navy stood for, never again volunteer yourself. Never again volunteer yourself because you got stuck with some hard stuff, like hard work, right? And so what happens is the burden and the weight of the reality of your mission is a scary one. It's, it's, a, it's one that, it, that takes responsibility. It takes dedication. It takes commitment. It takes sacrifice. It takes obedience. But then if you go on the other side and you can say, oh, I love Jesus and I don't have to do any of that. I can just show up. So what happens is people are being deceived of what it means to be a Christian. They're being deceived that a Christian means going to church every Sunday singing a couple songs, and they're good. They leave out the part about making disciples. They, they leave out the part about um, uh, submitting to his word. They leave out the part about having to sacrifice yourself, dying to self. Who wants to talk about that? Who wants to hear about that? What do you mean? I got I to gotta put my stuff aside? I got to put my own wants, my own desires? All right, all right, all right. You guys get it, right? He will do, we are a threat, and he will do everything. Remember, when I say we are a threat, I'm referring to true followers of Christ. We are a threat, and he will do everything in his power to try and stop us. I say try. I say try because we can prevail. We can. And to prevail, there are a couple things that I need you guys to know. Number one, that this battle is a spiritual one. Because I know there's a lot of people already like, all right, you hyping me up, Pastor, let's do this. And, you know, you guys, you know, get the fist pound going. This is a spiritual battle, not a physical one. (laughs) I know people may drive you nuts. Some people may be out to hurt you. Some people may want to slander you. Some people may want to just, you know, they're just... Not too nice to be around. But can I tell you that they're not the real enemy? It's hard to grasp that. It's hard to grasp that. Like, 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 if, Lenny, like if Lenny's in front of me and, and Lenny just wants to hurt me, at that moment, I, I know, you know we, we all want to defend ourselves, but the, you have to remember that it's a, there, there, there's a spiritual component to this. There's a spiritual component to when people desire evil on you. You understand that? Sometimes it's more obvious than others. Sometimes you're like, yo, I don't even know this person. So those are the obvious ones. Those are the obvious ones when you like, I don't even know why. There's a spiritual component to that. And some are not so obvious. Some you're just like, well, that's how that person is. There's a spiritual component to why people act the way they act. Ephesians 6.12 says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and evil, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, this is, these, these are topics that many times we don't talk about from the pulpit because, like my daughter says, it's going to freak us out. <laughs> I don't know where she saw that word, but she's like, Today, she's like, Daddy, is my hairstyle going to freak Jeremiah out? Her cousin. Right? She's got her hair in a new way. 
But I know this freaks out a lot of people talking about spirits, spiritual realm, angels, demons, all these things, right? But let's just be real. It, it's the reality of things. It's the reality of things, and we need to be educated on this. Not get obsessed with it, but be prepared and educated with this. Our real enemies are spiritual powers, evil spiritual powers. So all our guns, and I know there's a lot of guns in this church. Can I, can I tell you guys, spiritually and, and like physical, I, I have been in churches all my life, right? I grew up in church all my life. And one thing I told my dad, my dad and I were talking the other day, and sorry, I'm getting off topic. I'll be back in a minute. I'll be back in a minute. But I told my dad, I said, Pop, in all my life, I have never been in a church where there are so many guns in the church on a Sunday. Now, don't look around. Don't look around. Just know we safe. We are safe up in here. All right? <laughs> but, 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 but it's funny. It's funny. But again... The spiritual gun, right? Our, our, the, the, we, we spiritually is what matters most and what's most important. But it was funny. I told my dad that, um, that I've never seen that before, as many as it is now. Maybe it's the times that we're living in. But anyways, all our guns are worthless, useless. They can't do a thing. Spiritual war requires spiritual weapons. Spiritual war requires spiritual weapons. And if we are in a spiritual war on a daily basis, and you are not getting strapped spiritually on a daily basis, then just know you are losing. You are losing. Second point, I want you guys to know that there is no neutral territory. This is what I was talking about earlier. There's no bystanders, right? There's no one that can just kind of watch it from the, from the fence. And so what happens is we see, because uh, <laughs> we know that, you know, like, like I did, I went to the Phillies game. I went to the Phillies game with the guys. And I sat there, and I didn't root for the Phillies, because you guys know I'm from New York. And I didn't root for, I didn't root for, who, who, was, who, was, well, who was the other team playing? The, my, was it Miami? When, when we went to the baseball game. The Marlins. I think it was the Marlins. Um, so, and and, and uh, where are the Marlins from? I don't know. Florida. I don't follow, I don't play, I don't, I don't watch baseball, right? But I went with that. I went to hang out with the guys. That's where I went. So as I'm there, I'm not rooting for either team. I'm just there on the fence. I'm like, woo! Oh, they hit it good. Oh, and oh, we don't, we're not for, we're not for the Marlins. Oh, but he did a good job. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, so, so, so I was neutral in that setting. We can't be neutral in this war. We can't say I'm not going to pick a side and I'm, not, I'm just going to stand right here while, while, while God does his thing and I'm going to stand right here while the devil does his thing. I'm just going to stand right here. We, can't, we don't have the liberty to do that. There is either one side or another or the other. Matthew 12, 30 says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. What Jesus himself is saying in these verses is that if you're not actively, if you are not actively on his side, back up because you're not with him. 
That's what he's saying. If you are not actively, it says, it says, who isn't with me opposes me, meaning you're automatically his enemy, right? And some of you guys say, well, okay, well, I'm not going to say I'm with them. I'm not going to say I'm not with them. Okay, you may, maybe you can try to find a play on words there, but it says that if anyone who isn't working with me, how do we work with Jesus? How do we work with Jesus? It's called spreading the gospel, spreading the good news, living a, living a good testimony. What that? Hands on. Not someone who just kind of like watches from the distance, like I said, tries to just be like, oh, I'm, I'm right here. Someone who is actively working is what he's saying. So if you're not actively working on his side, Jesus is saying, you are my enemy. So that's scary because there are some people in church, not this church, but there are some people in church that go to church all the time but are not actively working with Jesus. It is possible. It is possible. And so what that means is there are some people that come to church every Sunday and yet are an enemy of God. That's crazy. Mind blown. Again, again, these are the things that we say that won't fill the stadiums. But it's the truth. It's the truth. Every person is required to make a decision. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. You've got to choose. Whose side are you going to fight on? God's or Satan's? Can I tell you a secret? Everyone has, is already on a side right now. So some of you have already chosen to be on Jesus' side. And if you say, well, I haven't chosen anything, well, that means you're on the wrong side. That means you're on the wrong side. The third thing I want to say is that this is a battle for supremacy. And I want to close with this. This is a battle of supremacy. Supremacy over your heart. Supremacy over the hearts of the people, right? Revelation chapter 13, verse 7, it says, It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's talking about it's talking about authority given to Satan. I want you guys to understand that. It, uh, 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 it was granted for him, Satan to make war with the saints. That's the context of, of this verse. Satan has the authority to make war with the saints, with Christians. Right? And he can try to overcome us if he can. This battle is all about rulership. Right? Who will be the rulers of your lives? Who will be your boss? It's like two, it's like, you know how two mob bosses are always fighting? Like, who, who are you going to work for? Because they both want to be on top. Well, one is on top, and one is trying to be on top. He'll never succeed. He'll never succeed. He's going to lose. 
So it's baffling how so many of us have yet to make a decision to fight for Christ when we already know the outcome of the enemy and his, and his army and his followers. Remember growing up when you had to pick teams and you're about to play basketball, football, whatever, you know, it's a sport, you're about to pick teams and they gave you a choice on what team you want to be on and you looked at the team, if it was basketball, you're like, he tall, he tall, he tall, I'm going to be on this team. Because you know that team is probably going to win versus another team that everybody is really short in, right? If it's a football team, you look at everybody, they're big, they're strong, and you're like, or you look at the other side and they all look like track stars instead, you'd be like, I'm going to play football with them. We're going to win. Why is it so obvious for us to make decisions like that in life? Because you know that we're designed for survival, right? Like, you know how the human instinct is to survive. We have that instinct in us. And I know some of us, it's buried deep down inside because we've never gone camping. We've never done any type of outdoor wilderness things. And we've grown up in a society that everything is given to you. Everything is easy access. But if we didn't have that, deep down inside, you all have an instinct of survival. But yet I'm baffled that even though we, 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 we want to survive, even though we want to win, because there's no one in here that wants to lose. Although we want to win, although we were made to survive, although we, we, we want always to, to be on top, we fail to make the choice that guarantees us victory. You are guaranteed victory. You are guaranteed life. Why is it so hard? Because of the temptations that the, the enemy throws our way? Because of the, 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 the schemes that he uses, which we're going to talk about that the next couple of weeks. Like, we are so distracted or, or swayed toward all these things that he will do to keep you from making that decision. From keeping you from working for him, for Jesus. Becoming a Christian is just the beginning of the fight. Satan has declared war on you, and he won't stop. He won't stop fighting until, uh, because what he's trying to do is trying to, he's trying to fight for the supremacy in your life. And unless he has it, he'll keep fighting. That's why I can't stand up here and tell you when you accept Christ, it'll be all peaches and cream after that. That's why I can't lie to you and say it's going to be all sunshine and daisies and stuff like that when you come to Christ. I cannot lie to you. What I can do is stand here before you. Yo, I'm getting Marine Corps flashbacks. I remember telling my boys one time, I was like, I, I was like it's going to be a long day. We're going to be out there for a long time. It's going to be hot. We got a lot of helicopters to, to, to load. We got a lot of work to do. But guys, I know you can do it. Let's get it done. It was something like that. That's the same way. 
He won't stop. I can't lie to you. It's not an easy road. The Bible says, what does it say about the road? Narrow is the way. So it's hard. But because this road that we're on is difficult, because it's not easy, because it, it, it's, it, it's going to have its trials and tribulations, look around you, church. Look around. Take a moment. Just look around. Come on. Look, look to the left. Okay. Everybody look to the left. Everybody look to the right. Everybody look behind them. All right. This is why you are so important to one another. Don't you understand? This is a, this is a, a narrow way. Narrow. It's narrow. It's hard. It's not easy. But it is a little easier doing it together. It is easier doing this with one another. Because we all go through problems. We all go through things. You are not the only one that has gone through what you're going through right now. Some of us struggle in our marriages. You're not the only marriage that has issues. Some of us struggle with our children. You're not the only one struggling with your children. Some people are struggling right now. Some people have already struggled. And they have seen the power of God in their marriage and in their families. Some people are struggling with anxiety, with stress and depression. You're not alone. There are others struggling with stress, pressures, and anxiety. And there are some that have overcome that through the power and the hand of God. If I'm going through something and I know that Al went through the same thing and I know that, he, that God did a miracle in his life, you think that Al's not going to be the first person I'll be like, Shoop! he's going to have to work hard to get away from me. Because he went through something that I'm going through. And even if he stays quiet, even if he doesn't even open his mouth, me standing next to someone that once was where I was and now has been set free and delivered and healed, you telling me I'm not going to want to be next to that person? You telling me that, 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 that I'm going to stay home, I'm going to stay away, I'm not going to be close to someone that has experienced the divine, supernatural hand of God in their life? But the reason why we stay away is not because we want to, it's because the enemy sways us to because he fills our heads with lies. You can't tell nobody what you're going through. They're going to start talking about you. Oh, they're going to look at you differently. Man, tell them to shut up. Lies. The enemy will fill your head with lies that will keep you away from their brothers and sisters in Christ that are there to encourage, to motivate you, to sharpen you, to prepare you so that you can stand boldly before your adversary and win. Guys, can you stand to your feet, please? Prayer team, can you come up? Church, this topic that we are diving into
You can choose. You can choose. You can choose. To allow God to change your life. You can choose to be changed from it right now. You can choose. You can choose to learn from it and be a threat. This is a journey, and I'm. I, Although Satan may have declared war on us, we too declare war on him. Romans 8, 37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Don't you, I want you guys to understand something. We ain't just winning. It, it's, it's not just a win but to conquer. A boxer fighting can win and have a busted lip, two black eyes, swelled face. He could walk, he could barely walk out the ring a winner, right? We've seen that before, right? We've seen some, some fights where even the, win, like the winner will walk out and he will look tore up. But a conqueror, a conqueror walks out without a scratch. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? A conqueror will walk in the ring. The knees of everyone else will tremble. They will start to cower down. A conqueror could sometimes just raise his hand and the enemy will either flee And if he stays and fights, it's a quick one. And a conqueror will walk out without a scratch, without beads of sweat, because they've overcome. We are in this war, church, this spiritual war. We can't be neutral. And you need to be honest with yourself. What side are you on?